Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. I've been fortunate, really fortunate, to meet so many good people over the journey. This is proof you don't necessarily have to be a big name to have a big story. This is Weekend Story. Some easy listening as I talk to some of the people I've met along my journey. They're from differing backgrounds and industries. The stories are theirs, uniquely theirs. They're inspirational, emotional, intriguing and different. Sometimes all rolled into one. You may not know their name, but by the end of this podcast, you won't forget their story. Welcome to Andy Raymond Unfiltered and Weekend Story. I'm Matt Clark, and this is my story. Joining me is a mate of about 25 years, a guy I trust, guy I love his company, Two completely different fellas, but one thing in common, our love for the mighty Parramatta Reels. Reed Marnie's gone, Maddie Clark, no good. It still hurts. I, I haven't got over it. Wow. The frustration continues for us para fans, doesn't it? It is. It's uh, bordering on about 35 years now, mate, so yeah. you'd think we'd get used to it by now. Yeah, you'd think we'd get used to it. Now, where's the Matt Clark story start? Back in Ipswich? It is, yeah. Back in Ipswich, 1981 is when I was born. Um, mate, yeah, Ipswich born and bred. Uh been around the state, been overseas, uh, playing rugby for a couple of years and um, found myself on the Sunshine Coast just like you and yeah. I think they'll be taking me out of here in a box, mate. It's someplace. Ipswich, late 70s, early 80s, just working class, honest people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, still is that sort of place too. Mm. I've got lots of friends that you know, still stay there, family that stays there. I love the place. Into the police force yep. uh, on the Sunshine Coast here for a, a dozen years or, or thereabouts. What makes a young bloke want to join the cops? Mate, uh, good question. Um, sort of asked that question to myself plenty of times. <laughs> Is it a family thing? No, not at all. No, not at all. Um, I don't know. I just think I wanted to help people and, um, you know, I enjoy helping people in the community and, yeah, it's it's a tough job. It can be rewarding at times. It can be difficult at times, like probably like everyone's job. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I really enjoy it. Frustrations that come with it, I would imagine, probably not so much from your colleagues or what you guys are doing, but just externally, too many people in society these days, and it's nothing new, disrespectful towards authority, disrespectful towards the force. Um, Can be a little bit like that, Andy. Yeah. Um, you know, but I also sort of remind myself that, like, for every sort of person that's like that, there are 10 people that, you know, appreciate what you do. Nice. And, and that, that sort of um, uh, silent sort of majority yeah. in, in society is still there, so... Um, you know, we see it all, obviously, like you can work in the job for a year or 15 years yeah. like I have, but you see it all pretty quickly. 
a year at Mount Isa in the force. A couple of years at Mount Isa, actually. Was it? Yeah. Um, no, nah, I loved it. Different sort of um, lifestyle, different yeah. community, obviously. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Two of the best years of my life, even though, you know, the place is a little bit rough and ready and stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a great country place. I haven't been there yet. It's, mate, it's good. It's, um, yeah. it's completely different to, obviously, to most places in Queensland. Yeah. Um, massive mine in the middle of town, a lot of money in the town. Is the mine in the middle of town? Mate, it, you can hit it with a rock. It's really? Like, I couldn't believe yeah. it. I remember when uh, me and my wife were driving there for the first time, we came over the hill and uh, saw the town and I sort of said, oh, most of the most of the town must be behind the mine. No, no, that was that was that was all of the town. So, um, yeah, it's it's only probably I don't know five hundred meters from the dead center of town. Wow! It's, but yeah, great place. What bore you to the sunny coast? Uh, mate, just the opportunity for a transfer, and yep. um, we, um, my wife's parents were talking about moving here. And yep. Look, we came down here for a holiday, and we thought, yeah, why not? Like, yeah. I mean, have a look at it. It's, it's yeah. tremendous. So, trying to get my timeline right. So you would have arrived here. Back end of the Daniel Morecambe investigation and then the Daniel Morecambe investigation, sadly, world famous, but you would have arrived around the back end of that? Yeah, around that time. Um, I spent a little bit of time guarding the crime scene, which is, you know, it's not the oh. most important job in the in the actual investigation, obviously, but um, had a little bit to do with it, a very tiny little bit to do with it. Um, yeah, tragic. Like, I mean, words fail you, really. It's- How do you guys get over the, the mental scars of things like that? Um, I think you just sort of develop your own coping mechanisms. Yep. Um, I know that when I've had a sort of tough shift, as soon as I walk out through those doors from the office, I just sort of I switch off, mate. I just yep. I leave it at work. Yep. I might go home and have one or two coldies and yeah. sort of I try and just leave it where it is at work. Um, it's not always easy to do, mm. but that's that's what works for me. And lots of people have you know, sort of mechanisms that would work for them. Yep. I know that, like, the advice obviously is don't have – Alcohol, um, yeah. you know, that is basically what you're told. Don't yeah. don't sort of use that. But I don't mind going back and having a couple of coldies and yep. sort of uh, de-stressing, I suppose. R- relaxing. Yeah, not, relaxing, exactly not, right. Not ironing yourself out. Exactly right. Yeah, not ironing yourself out, but just just unwinding a little bit. Um, put on the 1986 grand final and just uh, <laughs> yes. revisit that. Yes. Mate, you said you've got your coping mechanisms and you only had a little bit to do um, with guarding the crime scene. Yep. Did you sadly witness other guys that – whose coping mechanisms maybe weren't as successful or were, were more into the investigation and the toll it took on them? Uh, yeah, like not specifically that investigation, but certainly other colleagues that I've worked with, yep. um, you know, they've been just obviously been to some horrific things and, um, you know, I've, I've had a few mates that have sort of um, struggled with that, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, it's it's very common, um, mm. far more common than like people would probably think. Uh, and there's an analogy that when you're, you know, your bucket is full, as in like full of water. Yep. You know, eventually it's going to tip out the side. And it's not just perhaps the stresses of the job. Mm. It can be, you know, it can be your home life. It can be um, yeah. your debt or your your mortgage or, or whatever. Or your, your kids uh, are ill or mm. it can be a number of things. It's not just work. Often work is just one uh, element that sort of yep. can bring people undone. It can be the outside stresses involved with work that can lead to people sort of suffering. Um, so, yeah, it, it is it is fairly common. It's all walks of life, isn't it? I mean, we we as blokes don't often or don't enough talk about our issues and and um, making sure there's a life balance and making sure there's a clear head. Yeah, definitely. Um, and look, I've been guilty of that in the past too. I've always, yep. I've never been one that sort of says, "No, you shouldn't talk to people." But I've always thought, "Oh, that's maybe something someone else does." Yeah, not me. Um, yeah. I'm not saying I'm the toughest guy in the world no, or anything like that. Guilty as charged. Yeah, I just sort of thought. 
I'm mm. all for other people talking, mm. but I don't need to. But over over the years, I've found that I do. And um, just talking to mates and debriefing yeah. and de-stressing or whether that's seeing someone that's uh, more professional in that field, yep. anything, I, it's very important. The mental health space so important in 2021 – uh, so much further advanced than when guys like us started working. Definitely. Has it been an assistance, a help, a positive in the force, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, look, everyone should be speaking about whatever issues they've got. There's no problem. There's no shame in it. You know, the saying is it ain't weak to speak, and I, I totally yep. agree with it. Um, and, you know, it could be just bouncing a few things off mates. Hey, listen, I'm struggling with this or this has really got me it wound up. It doesn't have to be someone professional. No, it doesn't yeah. have to be. Like it often can help more, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just bouncing something off your mates yep. saying like, oh, look, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? And just hearing that perspective of, you know, or advice from them can often just sort of clear your head and, yeah. and you know, reassure you that you're on the right path. Now, this is the irony, a law-abiding citizen serving police officer for oh, the best of the part time. of 15 <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about it off air, were we? Sorry, boss. Uh, a police officer for 15 years, also involved in boxing, <laughs> which is just <laughs> completely the opposite. Um, give us a little bit of background on your interest in boxing and your involvement in boxing, mate. Mate, I've always been involved. Uh, sorry, always been interested yeah. in boxing. Um even when I was a little kid, I remember watching the fights with my old man and, yeah. you know, Tyson and Leonard and Hagler and Hearns and all that sort of stuff. And I think there was just something about, and of course, Jeff Fennick. I, I can't, yep. you can't be from the 80s and not mention Jeff Fennick. Exactly. Um, mate, I think just just the excitement and the hoopla around boxing yeah. is probably what drew, drew me into it as a kid. And um, my dad loved it. Like, he loved watching it. Yep. Um, and I think it just progressed over time. And, you know, even as a kid, I was. I was right. I love rugby league and I love all my sports, mm. um, but boxing was certainly something that really got my interest for whatever yeah. reason. And, you know, I used to buy the KO magazines and the yeah. ring magazines and I don't know, as a kid I would, I'd be able to rattle off the top ten of the heavyweight division yep. in grade five or something like that and yeah. teachers used to quiz me on it. And just, I don't know, it was just one of those strange little yeah. quirks, I suppose. Um, and when I got back from – I was playing rugby overseas for a couple of years in Scotland and when I got back from there I um, – Wrote away to um, Jamie Meyer, a boxing promoter, yep. and said, "Oh, look, you know, if you're ever looking for someone to to help, I'd I'd love, I'd love to help out." Yeah. And um, he got back to me, and he sort of taught me the ropes, so to speak, yep. and um, the business side of boxing. And you know, I sort of he showed me how to you know, negotiate and how things uh, need to make financial sense, obviously, for yeah. a fight to go ahead, and how many tickets someone needs to sell to cover this and that, yep. and things that I really. Yeah, you know, wouldn't have any idea about yeah. before that. You're unaware of them, yeah. Yeah, I was. I was completely unaware of it. Um, so, you know, I learnt that way and um, sort of started managing fighters and, you know, went from doing a good job for this guy to signing that guy and um, probably culminated, obviously, with um, working with Lucas Big Daddy Brown yep. and going to Chechnya and him winning the, um, the WBA heavyweight title over there. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. 
We'll get back to Lucas. We'll get back to boxing. Uh, what took you overseas with the rugby? Mate, um, I just went over as a, you know, basically as a holiday, like as, as every sort of 20-year-old does, yeah. and um, went over with a mate, and he went back, and I went and visited family I had in Scotland, and sort of one of those weird quirks where, like, someone said, oh, do you want to come play a game of rugby? I said, yeah. So I ended up playing half all right, I suppose. Yeah. And um, got a contract for the next year, and they ended up sort of flying a couple of boys from uh, the Ipswich Rangers club that I was playing for to come play for them, and it was, oh, mate, it was... Living the dream. <laughs> so there was a couple of hippie boys yeah, over there yeah, together. Yeah, it was trouble. It was trouble. A little town called Straven, which is probably I don't know, forty minutes from Glasgow or something like that. But um, it was sensational, mate. Like just you know, traveling up and down Scotland, playing rugby, and if it was ever sort of snowed off, we'd you know fly to Belfast to get oh, on the drink, or wow. fly to Europe to get on the drink, and things like what that. What a great so, life experience, it was, mate! It was tremendous. Two of the best years ever. Like just yeah, you know, I can't complain about it. it was, and not expected. Not expected. It sort of developed. It was one of those. You know, crazy sort of things in life. But, you know, I, was, I knew I was going over there to visit, but I had yep. no real intentions of, like, staying on and playing rugby. Like, yep. um, and, yeah, just developed into getting a, a gig over there and playing a couple of years of footy. Wow. Back to boxing, back to Lucas. How long has your involvement been directly with, with the Big Daddy? Um, mate, I think the first fight we had together was for the Australian heavyweight title against Cole Wilson on the Gold Coast. Yes. And, mate, that would have been 2012 off the top of my head. Yeah, called um, that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cole's a good bloke too. I'm amazed yeah. at Cole. I think everyone loves Cole. He's a champion. Um, so, yeah, I've been with Lucas ever since. Um, got him signed to Hatton Promotions with Ricky Hatton. Yep. And obviously he had a lot of fights over in Britain. Mm. Uh, won the Commonwealth Heavyweight title. Australia's first ever uh, – oh, sorry, first Commonwealth Heavyweight champion in 122 years. Yep. Um, so, you know, he's, he's done really well for himself, especially for someone who took up boxing – yeah, in his thirties, never he had an amateur late, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, did some mixed martial arts before yep. that, but um, but he was late to mixed martial arts as well. Very much so, yeah. very much so. I think he only started everything at thirty, so yeah. he's done well for himself. An athlete because he was a really good junior footy player at the Eels. At the Eels, correct. A winger and speed. <laughs> oh, no. He was amazingly he fast, <laughs> and he had hair. So did I. <laughs> Uh, Chechnya, you'd end up going over there uh, for a shot at the world title, for a, a shot at the dream. Yeah, that's it. So um, that was in 2016, I believe. Um, he went and fought Ruslan Shagayev. Uh, Shagayev is a, you know, a masterful fighter. Like, yep, um, agreed. Off the top of my head, you know, two-time heavyweight champion, uh, world amateur champion. Yep. Like Lucas was given no hope whatsoever. Uh, Chechnya is a country that our government advises – Australian citizens aren't to visit under any circumstances. It's sort of pretty wild. Um, but we were really well looked after. We had an armed guard everywhere we went. Uh, Seriously? Was, yeah, armed guard everywhere. Like, like I said, I've been a copper for What was 15. he holding? Mate, everything. Oh. <laughs> they had uh, all sorts of weaponry there. Like I've been a copper for 15 years. I saw more guns in Chechnya in those 10 days than I've seen the 15 years I've wow. been a copper. Yeah, so it was pretty wild. Um, in fact, my dad sort of he came over and he said, oh, can I get a photo of you and your gun, yeah. and somewhere in translation they got lost, and the armed guard just handed my old man no <laughs> a way. load of Glock. He's a school teacher, mate, so oh, he was shitting himself <laughs> as you would. But uh, look, we were we were really well looked after there. There's no two ways about that. It was yeah. an intimidating place, uh, but we were treated really well. We trained at the president's uh, palace, so we get a bus out there every afternoon to to go through the the, the pads and. Um, Lucas actually, so the president over there is Ramzan Katarov. Um, he's quite a militant sort of guy. Yeah. He walks around in combat fatigues all the time and, wow. yeah, pretty full on. And um, the two days before the fight, uh, they, were, they had the press there and Katarov just, he's a fairly sizable guy. Like he's, you know, probably, 
I'm not going to guess, but six foot and 110 kilograms. Jeez, like, yeah. Walks up to Lucas and just goes crack and rips this left rip right into his guts. The boss does. Yeah. Wow. And we were like, our lives hang in the balance here. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't hit him back, Lucas. Don't hit him back, Lucas. Like, and he didn't, thankfully, so we're here to tell the story. Oh, too good. Lucas would win the fight, create history 16 days later, the phone call no one wants to receive. Yeah, that's right. So um, look, you've seen the fight. It's a, it's a complete Rocky story. He was losing the fight. He got dropped himself mm. hard. Uh, that round that he got dropped in, which from memory is the fifth, uh, it went like another minute longer than it should have. The next round, Lucas fought his way back into the fight and I think the sixth, obviously, and that round got cut short. So there was all mm. sorts of shenanigans happening. And, um, How look, unlike boxing. Yeah, I know. That's, I'm as shocked as you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, look, during the fight, like uh, Rodney Williams, his trainer, just said, you know, do this for your sons and your daughter. Like, you know, got right into him and sort of said, let your hands go. And mm. in, in that um, 10th round, he, he hit Shagayev with a with a right hand on the yep. jaw. It was a counter shot and, you know, he followed it up and stopped him with about, you know, 20-odd unanswered punches and – it was incredible. Like, like you, we were in the Grozny Coliseum, and it really is a coliseum. Like the, the fans are actually above you, and the wow. the ring is down at the bottom of the of the whole coliseum. So everything is like the the, the noise when Shigayev dropped Lucas is like nothing I've ever heard before. It was deafening, wow. deafening. It went through you, yeah. completely through your body. And then when the roles were reversed and the the fight was stopped and Lucas had dropped uh, Shigayev, you could hear a pin drop. Jeez. You could hear a pin drop, and then. Katarov, the president, started screaming abuse at Stanley Christodoulou, the referee. And, yeah, Stan's a really experienced operator. Like, he he refereed uh, Hagler versus Duran. He's yep. been around for donkey's years. You know, he's yep. one of the greatest referees of all time. Uh, and the fight had to be stopped. Like, yeah. Shagayev would have been leaving on a stretcher. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we sort of um, – our celebrations were very muted really quickly. Like, I jumped over the ropes. You like realised they had like, to and be? Then, yeah, and yeah. then it was kind of like – Lucas actually said, like, everyone shut the fuck up. Yeah, like, yeah. The, yeah, we, we realised we were in sort of hostile territory and yeah. we'd, we'd rock the apple cart. Um, and we, you know, he got, um, obviously he got the belts and it must be one of the only times in history that the fighter that wins the fight doesn't get interviewed. Like, Shigayev got interviewed and they just cut Lucas. Like, it was like it never happened. And wow. Yeah, we went back to the, um, the, the dressing sheds afterwards and oh, we were happy there, but we were still like, hey, let's get out of here before we start sort of, yep. you know, Get out of here, as as in the dressing room. Just the dressing or the room, city. mate. No, the city. Look, they were fine. Like, and this is the thing. Like, when we got back to the hotel, everyone was congratulating us and things like that. And we'd really built a rapport with a lot of the people there yep. because we spoke to Fresa Quendo's people. Quendo fought Shagayev in Grozny, you know, probably a year before, and they were sort of saying, "Oh, make sure you, you know, don't go out anywhere. It's really dangerous." Being Aussies, we sort of went, nah, yeah, fuck that. We like, know better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We know better than that. And um, we put ourselves out amongst it, and we met lots of people. And like Lucas's poster was, oh, sorry, his image, I should say, was on billboards yeah. all across the city. Like everyone knew who he was because he's six foot five, covered in ink, unmistakable, unmistakable, yeah. exactly. So we got photos with everyone. Mm. So a lot of people were actually really happy for us. So we never felt that sort of tension within the community. It was just sort of maybe. At the arena on yep. the night, it was like, Understandable. let's maybe just get out of here before yeah. we cut loose. Two weeks later, you get the phone call that says you've tested positive. Yeah, to- me and my old man were on a boys' trip um, over back over to Scotland and Ireland, and um, we were sort of in an alcohol-induced sort of crowd. Yeah, and- <laughs> should, yeah exactly. We we're in a place called Glencoe and in Scotland, and I got this email, and I just went, "Oh fuck!" 
Like, and he's like, what, what? And I said, Lucas has tested positive to something called clombuterol. Like, and the whole thing just unraveled. I think it was like, you know, 16 days later, as you said. And, um, uh, yeah, just the whole thing just developed. And, like, obviously the news broke and I had boxing journalists sort of contacting me before the news had even broken. So, obviously, they've got good contacts. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, we don't even know what's happening here or what's going on. And yeah. Long story short, um, the post-fight drug testing, which in negotiations we demanded happen, mm. they found a um, like the lowest amount to cause a positive test for this clenbuterol, which is essentially a weight-stripping agent. Yeah. It's used by bodybuilders to, yeah, that's to, right. to, to get rid of the fat. Yes, that's yeah. right. And it's used by, uh, I believe, farmers in certain countries with their cattle as well okay. um, to, to make the cattle sort of a better quality for, yep. for eating, obviously. Um, so we, he had a... Um, he had a uh, blood test on the Monday of the fight, and that came back squeaky clean. Nothing wrong with it. It's the post-fight um, test that he failed. And mm. if you like, I mean, look, if any of the listeners know anything about clenbuterol, you don't cycle it for, for five days before a heavyweight no. title fight. You, you know, if you you're doing if you're that it way three months out, if correct. You're do if you're it. that way inclined, you're doing mm. it months out to lose that weight. And yep. so we spent a lot of money. Um, trying to clear his name mm. and um, got a hair follicle or well, a couple of hair follicles. I don't know where they plucked him from. They must have been from his bum because they've got a <laughs> hair in his head. But we, we got some hair follicles sent to um, a professor in the University of Salt Lake in Utah there. Yep. And um, basically a hair follicle is a lot like when you chop down a tree and you see the rings inside the tree, you can tell a lot about its age. Well, it's the same thing with a hair follicle. You can tell how long something has been in your system by looking yep. at the root of the hair. And basically the um, this independent professor came back and said, Categorically, I can say there was nothing in his system prior to you entering Chechnya with the timelines that you've given me. So whether that was put into his system on purpose or whether it was something that you know he's eaten that resulted in yep. that, we'll never know. I, mm. I, you know. I know that now that we'll, we'll never get to the bottom of that. But, um, you know, his, I feel sorry for the guy in terms that his one, his shining moment, his, his, you yeah. know, his history was ripped away from him, stripped away from him. Um, essentially, after a proper thorough investigation and a lawsuit against the WBA, uh, basically he was found to be not guilty of yep. any doping. So he had his name cleared, uh, which was incredible news. Yeah. Incredible. Um, and then like in in a twist of fate that only boxing can provide, he tests positive, <laughs> test positive to another supplement um, yeah, a couple months later. So... Hey legends, I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, when you want, and how you want. If you're interested in joining our team, go to the website and hit the sponsorship tab. That's andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. That was the one I think that did it for a lot of people, even though very different circumstances, different countries, different substance. Lucas probably guilty of being silly and naive in buying an over-the-counter product yeah. at a suburban uh, 
store, yep. vitamin store, that he didn't check properly. Yeah, definitely. Um, a, a friend of mine sort of said it's like having a, a winning lottery ticket, losing it, finding it again, and then ripping it up. And it's yep. probably about accurate, I think. Yeah, it's probably about right. isn't it? Um, you know, it's one of those things. I, I know that he regrets it completely yep. and it's – yeah, you know, it is what it is. What it is now, like it's mm. it's it's been and done, and you can't sort of cry over it now. But it's sliding doors. Sliding moment. doors. It is one hundred percent a sliding doors moment. You know, you you wind back to fight night and the two weeks that followed. If he hadn't tested positive, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. And the, the next year, you know, he, he sets himself up. He sets his legacy Definitely. up. And those around him, including you, that have managed him and, and promoted him and looked after him, I mean, it, just a huge sliding door moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, even just for his legacy, mate, that's what I think. Yep. Oh, I really believe that sort of thing. Um, you know, obviously, as a boxer, he wants to get paid and that sort of thing. I, I agree with that. You don't fight for free. But um, just in terms of his sporting legacy, that's what yep. I really feel sorry for him. Um, that that win in Chechnya... Okay, it's not quite Lionel Rose against Fighting Arada. It's, it's huge. It's not quite George Kambosis yesterday yeah. uh, with uh, Tiafimo Lopez. But I tell you what, it's not far behind. Yeah, agreed. Um, the Paul Gallon fight. Yep. D- so disappointing oh, gutting. for so many reasons. Gutting. Um, look, he's seen in a pretty good headspace for that. Um, mm. It is what, it, you know, with boxing, anything can happen. And he caught a shot. He thinks it was the first shot of the fight. Um on the ear, and his eardrum was burst. Mm. Um, so his equilibrium was completely gone. It's boxing. That's, that, that can happen. Yep. And so often if a boxer gets through those sort of early opening sort of one or two rounds, they're into the fight. But he got caught with a great couple of shots yeah. early and just never recovered. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all sorts of crazy sort of accusations. I saw it on social media just like everyone else did. Yep. I was the first guy into the ring there from memory you know, to sort of pick him up. Yep. And I can tell you, he was he was gone. He was, was concussed. He? Absolutely. Like he's – I've been with the guy for so many years. Yep. I know he was concussed, mate. Like there's nothing underhanded or shady whatsoever. What, one of the rumours is, and we've spoken about it at length, uh, that the fight was thrown yeah, and, and there was, you know, $100,000 involved for a, a second round stop. Never in a million never in a million years would – he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't – like he wanted that fight more than just about any other fight. Yeah. So he called him out for long enough. Like He uh, did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah so, no, nah, there's – credit to Gallon. He did what he had to do. I, yep. I actually – Really give him a lot of credit for it. Um, no, Lucas was he was caught with good shots, and that's yeah. that's boxing. Um, nothing nothing shady about it. I wouldn't be involved in it, obviously, yep. uh, you know, with my job. If anything like that were to happen, but probably more importantly than all that, Lucas, you know, has too much pride for that. Yep, he's not going to do it. He's a polarizing guy, Lucas. He, he he says what he means, and he means what he says, and that, and that's admirable. But uh, some of his stuff on social media. You either love him or hate him. I've muted him, mate, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> You're the manager and he's going, oh, leave, me, leave me out of this. No, nah, look, he, he does love his social media. Um, he puts himself out there. Look, he's not afraid to put himself out there. And, look, he, as you said, he means what he says. Um, he, he calls a spade a spade. Yeah. You'll never have to sort of guess what he's wondering or what no, he's thinking. absolutely. So rightly or wrongly, that's who he is. Yep. And, you know, I've sort of learned to just – I just let it go. Like I'd <laughs> play on. He's too big to it, play I'm, with. You're not going to listen to me anyway. Nah. <laughs> so on the back of the Chechnya scandal, on the back of uh, Lucas testing positive a second time, personal tragedy, tough couple of years. Yeah, mate. Um, look, for those who probably don't know, uh, my wife had a surfing lesson back in December 2019. Um, sadly, as a result of that surfing lesson, 
you know, she won't walk again. Um, uh, long story short, she had the lesson and felt significant back pain during it. Um, she walked off the beach and by the time her friend drove her from Maroochydore to Alexandra Headland, which is yeah, five minutes yep. tops, um, she couldn't feel her legs and um, she suffered a thing called surface myelopathy, which is uh, must be millions to one. Uh, it's very common in um, first-time surfers, yep. especially those who are you know, not not kids. Mature um, age. Mature age. That's the yeah. word I was looking for, um, the phrase I was looking for. Um, yeah, so, look, I when I heard the news, I sort of said, oh, but she walked off the beach, right? And her friend's like, yeah. And I was like, well, it's probably not too much to worry about. Because You're thinking spinal cord, like your spinal cord's intact. maybe yeah, because I, you've actually walked. Exactly, because you've walked off the beach. Yeah. Like she didn't suffer a fall or anything like that. It's just like an sort of an ongoing sort of – pain in the back that developed during this lesson. And um, essentially it's like a um, basically a kink in the spinal cord that uh, stops blood supply and the, the spinal cord just sort of shuts down. So, yeah, tragedy. Got a couple of two young kids and they've been sort of inspirational with how they've dealt with it and they give her no uh, respite whatsoever. They're, no. they're into mum, don't worry about that. Yeah, good. Um, how long after the accident do you find out the severity of the injury? Fairly quickly. Um, oh, is it? Yeah, fairly quickly. So they, they run a series of tests and um, they could actually see the damage to the spinal cord because because of the lack of blood supply, basically it just dies fairly quickly. So um, her spinal cord's still intact, but it's just been damaged by the lack of blood supply. So um, probably within, I think, so from memory, maybe 48 hours, we sort of knew, well, this is what we're, we're facing now. So, um, yeah, she's um, complete paralysed from sort of T7 down, I think it is. Um, T7 yeah, about? Somewhere around your belly button, a little yep. bit a bit, a little bit above your belly button. So, okay. yeah, it's um, yeah, it's very hard going and, you know, she's been amazing yeah. in terms of her attitude um, while this has gone on. They're uh, more resilient, the girls, than we are. By a distance, mate. Yeah. By an absolute distance, yeah. So she's been incredible. Um, and it's, you know, it's about sort of finding a new lifestyle and yep. – and um, a new way to enjoy life and, you know, to her credit, you know, she's been tremendous through it all. Difficult news to hear and I would imagine a difficult couple of years, um, especially initially, emotions, thought patterns, coping mechanisms as we spoke about earlier, everything would have been tested. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, still might be in the future as yeah. well. Um, you know, she's got her wheels now so she's um, got a car and, She's mobile again, so look out, drivers on the sunny coast. Driving with her hands? Driving with her hands, yeah, yeah. hand controls. So it's um, she's got some independence back there. It's tremendous. Good um, honour. Yeah, so she's out and about. So um, it is, though, it's 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 tough to sort of um, explain to anyone that hasn't gone through it. Yeah. And and even, you know, even, even I don't fully understand because it's not me that's endured it. She yeah. has. So, um, no, but she's been pretty inspirational. You would have seen some horrific stuff over the years with the police – um, and now you're experiencing something completely different, completely foreign. It doesn't just change your life. It's 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 everyone around you. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, one of the things with, um, you know, being the coppers, you sort of can say, okay, well, that's happened to someone else, if that makes sense. Like even yeah. though I've gone to it and dealt with it and picked up some of the pieces, like you can sort of – I can sort of deal with it by There's saying, a bit well, of separation. Absolutely. Yep. So this is a, you know, obviously 
on our doorstep. It's it's at, it's in our home. Um, so yeah, it has been tough. I've been really well supported by family and friends though. Yep. Um, everyone's been in touch. Uh, I can't complain on, from that aspect. Um, yeah, it's been the, the response from the community has been tremendous. Like even when she was in the in the hospital, the spinal unit there down in Brisbane, like for a fault, she's a Broncos supporter. Oh, and, no. I know, right? I know. Yeah. And um, even while she was in the spinal unit there, she was visited by Alfie Langer, Mick Hancock, Jack Reed, Matt Gillett. Like, sensation. Oh, yeah. mate. The response from the community, including the Broncos, couldn't fault it if I that wanted to. That put a smile on her face? Really did. It really yeah. did. And, you know, my old man's a Broncos supporter too, so we had a big smile on as well. He made yeah. sure he was there. But, um, no, like, you can't knock that at all. Jack Reed's been sensational. He's kept in touch with her. Um, wow. Yeah. It's really good when sort of sportsmen, well, sports people, I should say, you know, that engaging with the community, I yep. can't fault them at all. It doesn't sell newspapers, sadly, and there is so much positivity around our game of rugby league where players or ex-players are able to make a difference in the community. It just doesn't get reported on, like, the scandals and the shit because doesn't it, sell. Doesn't, it doesn't sell. Exactly right. Like, another example I could give you is I managed to sort of train with the, some of the Eels boys down at uh, yeah. Malulabar there and I think Dill Brown and Makahisi Makatoa and um, – Hayes, Perriman, Isaiah, Papa Lee yeah. uh, were down there sort of training uh, at the F45 gym down there and um, their conduct was sensational. They had a big smile on their face. They're high-fiving all these people in the gym. Yeah. Let's be honest, like a lot of the sort of people in the gym probably don't even know who they are because yep. they're not rugby league tragics. And, mm. But they went out of their way to sort of you know, meet everyone, greet Isn't everyone. It, it is to the yeah. point where I actually wrote the Eels an email and yeah. uh, wrote to um, the head of football and the CEO. They're just saying, look, I don't want to bother you, but I, I do think it's worth yep. you guys knowing that this has happened. Um, they've been, you know, their conduct's been exemplary. Yeah. Like, and no one's going to sort of report this because it doesn't sell. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a great response from the Eels. They obviously weren't surprised because those guys that I mentioned are tremendous sort of fellows. Yeah, but they are. That sort of thing doesn't get reported. Mate, um, back to how you're living now since the accident. So you've got a lift because you've got a two-storey place yeah. to help help the bride up and down the stairs. The kids, uh, also very resilient. You know, it's it's like kids are, are almost made of rubber. They 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 bounce when they fall and, yep. and they bounce and they're able to adapt. Absolutely. Like, their resilience is incredible. Like, mm. I, I can't put words on it. They just, kids sort of seem to play the game that's in front of them rather yep. than sort of thinking about what ifs and what should be's. And yeah. they've been tremendous. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that it's got an effect on them and it has had an effect on them and yep. probably in the future it will have an effect yep. on them. Like some things won't be as easy to do with mum as what they should be. Um, but they've been great through it all. And it can also be a positive effect and, and build resilience, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, if another sort of positive aspect might be that, um, you know, they'll be more understanding and, and caring for people in sort of similar predicaments and yeah. not having any exposure to this sort of thing before. Like I, I really haven't had anything to do with yep. that sort of thing. Um, so I'm learning on the run, whereas they'll be sort of ingrained with that. Pleasure catching up with you, mate. Eels in 22. Can we dare to dream? I'm dreaming. Oh, I think it's on. Uh, yeah. Mind you, I've been saying that for a while now. I'm, dr- I'm <laughs> dreaming too, but a lot of other rugby league fans reckon we're always dreaming us <laughs> Eels. There you have it, another Andy Raymond Unfiltered podcast. We're the podcast that doesn't talk about the legends of the game. We're the one that talks with them, for you. Over the off-season, we've got two weekly podcasts. Tuesdays are Q&A day. Your questions, their answers. You legends are in complete control of the interview. Look out. Then the weekend story comes out. You guessed it, on the weekend. 
We're moving away from footy for this one and chatting with friends I've met along the journey, all with amazing, confrontational or emotional yarns. It proves you don't necessarily have to be a big name to have a big story. Before you go, we'd love for you to hit that five-star rating for us on the app you're listening on on the way out. Write a review too, we'd love that. It helps us grow the brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends, 